Hello, dear listener, and welcome to a truncated episode of the Call Me By Your Game podcast. I am the host of this gosh darn thing, Connor McCabe, here uh, to make a few announcements and let you know about what you are about to listen to today. Now, in lieu of an original interview episode on the podcast, today we are releasing a roughly 40-minute preview of a co-op episode. Now, the co-op episodes are something that I do monthly, uh, which are available exclusively at the $10 DJ Toad tier on our Patreon over at patreon.com slash super NPC radio, where we have a bunch of uh, additional bonus video game content from the creators of this show, Video Games a Comedy Show, The Reactivators, and Inside Video Games and Gaming uh, that releases every week. Uh, This is a monthly show that I do, and it is the 28th of these. So this is the 28th time that I have had on a group of people to talk about a meaningful game to all of us and get into, like the regular show, not only what we remember loving about the game, but any context of what was uh, interesting or meaningful to us at the time that we played it. Uh, The episode you are getting a preview of today is the 27th episode, the Chrono Trigger episode, uh, which was a huge one we did, highly anticipated. Uh, It's one of of our absolute best. And on this episode, I talk with my dear friend Eddie Martin and Patrick Ellers. Patrick is from Nintendo Cartridge Society, um, another great podcaster, and Eddie's been my you know best friend since childhood. So yeah, it's a wonderful episode, which you're going to hear about a 40-minute preview of here. And if you want to hear the full thing, and not just the co-op episodes, but our games club throughout the year, which we have covered Metal Gear Solid and Donkey Kong this year, uh, you know, 18 games total in addition, the Bonk Boys, and so much more. You can find that at patreon.com slash super NPC radio at the $10 DJ Toad tier. Otherwise, enjoy this 40-minute preview. I think you'll still really enjoy it, um, but could find yourself wanting more. Um, So that's what this is going to be. But we also have an announcement at the network. So this is a bit of a pre-announcement because the full news will come out uh, next week with all of the details on the event. But for the month of November, we are going to be doing some men's health awareness, uh, meaning we are going to be streaming on Tuesdays in November with some of your favorite people from the network, from Video Games, a comedy show, and we're hoping a friends from shows that aren't even associated with Super NPC Radio to raise uh, a, a awareness about men's health issues for the month of November Movember, as it's often called. You'll know me as a mustachioed individual, but more people will be growing those for the month of November. And we're also going to be doing some charity streams. So we're going to be playing games like Mario Party 2 and just really going at each other's throats, having fun and raising awareness of little things we can do to check ourselves. Um, yeah, uh, this is a suggestion by someone on our network, and uh, we're really thankful for that. So again, uh, if you want to see those streams, uh, follow us on social media at uh, Call Me By Your Game or Super NPC Radio. There will be links in the show notes for that. Uh, but we'll be streaming this on my Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash cons is cool 69. And that's C-O-N-Z. Uh, so yeah, Tuesdays in November, official start date coming soon. We haven't decided if we're starting the first week or the second week, um, but it's going to be a lot of fun. 
So again, enjoy this preview of the episode 27 from the Call Me By Your Game co-op series all about Chrono Trigger uh, with Eddie Martin and Patrick Ellers. And uh, keep your ears peeled, as you always do, for announcements about our upcoming uh, awareness and charity streams for Men's Health Month, um, which actually is June, but we're doing something for November. Anyway, thank you so much and enjoy this preview. I do want to hear um, a couple things uh, from my guests, and I want to know uh, a, a brief, uh, maybe just like a synopsis or like a thesis of how you feel about this game before we get into it. We're also going to hear about how you got into it and some of your personal experience. But Eddie, let's start with you. When you think about Chrono Trigger, um, what's sort of like the the statement that I guess uh, rings most true to you? When I think about Chrono Trigger, I think RPG, simple but effective, if that makes sense. Mm, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think I, I think I couch it that way. It's it's uh, got the, it's not overly complicated. Mm-hmm. It's got a great story. It's fun. Mm-hmm. And it's everything I want in an RPG is Chrono Trigger. Man. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Call Me By Your Game co-op episode. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. Oh, I almost forgot. Patrick, I want to hear from you, too. Uh, Patrick, when you think of Chrono Trigger, um, what statement rings most true to you? Is it something similar? Is it something different? Yeah, I mean, the, the simplicity is definitely a part of it, um, but it's the kind of it's the kind of simplicity that I think is typified by the art, right? Mm. Like it's got those like super clean, very attractive uh, Akira Toriyama designed characters that just like, I don't know, there's, there's an elegance to it. Right. Um, And there's a, there's a smallness to the stories that like everything is personal and there's a smallness to the scale. Like, all of the numbers are small. Um, you know, early on, you're casting spells that cost you two magic points, right? <laughs> um, the a, a maxed out biggest hit you can do is 999 damage, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, the 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 game isn't dealing in thousands, and it's not dealing in tens of thousands or whatever. Like everything is really small, which makes every individual step and every every hit point, every magic point, every accessory is meaningful. Um, and that's, uh, I just, I, I love the game for it. It's so compact in that way. Everything just communicates so much. It really does. Uh, when, when I think of this game, I almost, there, there's a couple elements that this is not a, oh, and frog. I think of frog. Oh, of course. Uh, how could you not? Um, (laughs) um, we, I think of robo, but that's beside the point. Uh, I, I kid. Um, when I think of this game. I, with the exception of maybe an element or two, the things that I can maybe point to and be like, oh, I wish this was slightly different. It almost incorporates uh, or it has elements in the game that are my favorite uh, for just about any JRPG, whether that be the battle system, the way which includes the way the characters interact with each other, the music, 
um, while it is a, you know, a time traveling epic, it's fairly linear through a majority of the game, which is helpful for a simpleton like myself who has trouble getting through uh, a JRPGs. Game for a simple man. Yes, so I appreciate that. Um, the art's beautiful. The music's fantastic. Every element in this game, I really can't think of one that I would say both isn't, you could, could not be argued to be a top-notch element in a game like this, but also I believe this game ages has aged just about as well as any game could from this era or any era, really. So... Um, it's just a it's a home it's a home run in my book. Um, I know we're not doing a call me by your ball game <laughs> episode today, but I help got, myself. I couldn't help here. myself. Still got baseball on the brain. Um, yeah, so so that's just some, some baseline you know feelings that we have about the game. We're gonna dive into these in a lot more detail. Um, but before we do, I want to do a little table setting before we hear about our personal experience with the game and talk about what this is. In all likelihood, the listener today is probably familiar with it in some sense. But if you happen to be someone who's tuning in, just because just you like the show, you're a big old fan of me, or you uh, just tune in for every co-op episode because it's in your feed, we're going to set the table a little bit. Um, and fellows, feel free to jump in at any point. I'm basically going to be uh, talking off the top of my head and also reading from Wikipedia just to get this out there, some, some bullet point stuff that we should hit. Uh, Chrono Trigger is a 1995 role-playing video game. I would describe it as a Japanese RPG because it's got a turn-based battle system, uh, developed and published by Square. Uh, it was originally released for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System and is the first game in the Chrono series, of which I, I guess, Patrick, you're going to be helpful here. There are certainly two games in the series, you could argue there's like two and a half media in the series, maybe three. Well, how, what would you say? Yeah, well, because you're referring, of course, to uh, Radical Dreamers. Um, and yes. uh, Radical Dreamers is, is uh, a it is a, an interactive experience. It's hard to classify it as a game. It's sort of yeah. a, like a like a sort of text based, but also kind of just like adventure sort of game. Mm -hmm. But it's it's way more like storytelling focused. And it is, it takes place in the world of Chrono Trigger, but uses characters that would later be spun out into their own thing, which is what Chrono Cross is. So, like, is it, is it, it, it sort of is decanonized by, it, it could have been a sequel to, uh, to Chrono Trigger, but sort of becomes decanonized by taking all of those concepts and dumping them into Chrono Cross. But also the sort of like weirdness of multiple realities is part of Chrono Cross. So I don't know, like I kind of buy it as all part of one big multiverse. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, thank you very much for that clarification, because I actually did learn something there. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize it sounds like this came before Cross. Radical Dreamers, that is. Yeah, Radical Dreamers did. Yeah, it's when 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 you play Radical Dreamers and it's it's on the the collection that came out recent the collection of uh, that and uh, Chrono Cross that uh, came out on like all platform or just Switch I guess earlier this year. Um, you you can see that like the the characters in the in in your party are the the characters from the game and they are focused on like the frozen flame is sort of like the MacGuffin that they're chasing after and the villain is the same character. But hmm. like all of the circumstances around like who they are and what they want is different. Oh, um, 
so like it's it, it's re it's really like a rough draft and you can tell that uh someone was like i just love these characters i want to put them in something uh and then made a sequel like a honest sequel to uh to chrono trigger okay interesting uh and you 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 i know got this game and played through played chrono cross uh at least a little bit this year had you had previous experience with the game as well with cross yeah yes well, with, with, with chrono cross yes um and, but this is my my first time playing through uh, Radical Dreamers. Okay, gotcha, Eddie. Uh, fair to assume from what I know about you that you have not played Chrono Cross. Correct. I have not played Cross or Radical Dreamers. Hey, well, you know what? Something to look forward to. And boy, <laughs> we love that on the show. Uh, this is a game that I would like to get the the version on the on Switch at some point. Um, I don't necessarily know if there have been any significant improvements. There to have to be at some point. I, I I don't know if they have yet either. I, I was just amusing about this on 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 my show because uh, I I played maybe like a quarter of the way through it and stopped because yeah. um, I hit like a weird little glitch. Um, but the the game runs really poorly in, in the remaster, <laughs> like shockingly bad. Yeah. Um. And uh. So if if they ever patch that, then I'll I'll, I'll go back to it and um start again. But uh. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like that game. It's nowhere near as good as Chrono Trigger. Yeah. Um, but it is uh, similarly interesting and similarly, like, small in scale okay. in, in, in the same way. Um, It's a game that uh, after receiving a, just a batch of video games that a friend of the show, Charlie Mihalik, was getting rid of a year ago, it's one of the PS1 games that I own now, and it's a two, it's a two-disker. So yeah, it uh, is. I, I definitely want to pop it in at some point. I'm sort of... Uh, chronoed out for the time being <laughs> want to give it some time to breathe but i'll get back to it um anyway so chrono trigger is the first in this series and easily the most significant and culturally relevant um the game's development team included uh three designers that square dubbed as the dream team this is another huge bullet point of this game um it was a meeting of the minds of the creators of final fantasy of dragon quest so the two biggest jrpg series at the time and you could argue still to this day um and the and yuji hori um oh sorry who was the creator of dragon quest hironobu sakaguchi of final fantasy and then akira toriyama character designer of quest and the dragon ball series um so that's why we get i remember i can remember as far back as when eddie and i discovered this game and seeing not necessarily the sprites <laughs> but like the art in the menus of the characters yep. and seeing Chrono's face and being like, wow, that sure looks like my friend Goku. <laughs> Who's this Goku? Who's yeah. this Goku? Yeah. <laughs> um, this is a Goku. Yes, exactly. So uh, this, the Dream Team, you know, is uh, sort of famous for, uh, you know, having worked on their own series up until this point in the early 90s. There is, uh, there have been stories told about how they took a trip to the United States, I think to learn about US game development together and eventually decided that they wanted to make a game and combine forces which is seems like an absolute miracle so um, they watched back to the future they watched back to the future like they watched back to the future <laughs> yes. especially given like the the first story where you have to rescue the queen and then they like do the thing that show you like right yeah. What you, yeah it's so back to the future if only they would have had like uh like a wiry a white wiry haired character point to a chalkboard with a timeline on it that would have really that's luca that is yeah. luca yeah. Oh, yeah pretty much yeah uh the inventor um and uh ozzy is biff tannen 
Oh, for uh, sure. He's totally Biff. I love <laughs> it's the most Japanese thing ever. Two two things. Two one turn the per, turn the bully into a green guy. Yeah. Um, and and two to make the crazy uh, uh, stringy white haired scientist into uh, a hot babe. Yes. Uh, no. Hey. No notes. Um, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Very strong uh, piccolo piccolo vibes with even I think even Ozzy's like outfit is just so <laughs> reminiscent. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's it's great, but the, yeah, this game is sort of known as a bit of a a bit of a miracle that these uh, huge groups came together to work with each other. The series themselves could maybe be seen as sort of rivals, being the biggest JRPG franchises that we still have and had at the time. But I can't really tell you anything about their relationships during or coming into this into this game. I just know that they worked together. Um, well, and I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but this was also uh, SquareSoft before they were Square and Enix, right? I believe so. Yes. So yeah, so, just Square. In fact, on the yeah. box that I can see on the Wikipedia page and the one I got off Etsy back here, it says SquareSoft, which is kind of a fun little time capsule. Yeah. So this was, you know, if if you were to say now that like people from the Dragon Quest team and from the Final Fantasy team were working on something together, you'd be like, that makes sense. All of their paychecks have the same signature on them. Mm -hmm. But uh, back when this game came out, Square and Enix were different companies. Yes. Um, So that makes it even more miraculous that something uh, as like mechanically sound as Final Fantasy um, and as sort of like warm and uh, beautiful as Dragon Quest uh, were combined into a single thing. Totally. Um, even just thinking, you know, before we really dive into the specific elements of the game too much, thinking about the marriage of those two things, it it's amazing that it all worked out as well as it did. Like mm-hmm. they really feels like they chose just about all of the best pieces from those two things uh, and and included them as opposed to like uh, the maybe lesser parts that maybe Dragon Quest does better than the fantasy series. Um, yeah, well, and like for, for me, the the thing that Final Fantasy does better than Dragon Quest is the sort of like huge apocalyptic hooks, right? Yeah. Like, um, you know, uh, like Final Fantasy VI uh, with the, the the world of ruin, or, or right. you know, just like the entire conceit of Final Fantasy VII. Like, all those are really dark um, things, large um, scale. Yeah, and then a huge scale, just like absolutely world-ending stuff. Um, most Final Fantasy games involve the end of the world actually happening. <laughs> during yeah, the right. Of the game. And killing a god at some point. You gotta kill God. And killing well, a that... beloved character at some point. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's and then coming to. back. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, yeah. Rest um, in peace, Tella. Uh, yeah, and rest in peace, uh, Aerith. Mm. Um, mm. But uh, I guess spoiler for people who are just playing Final Fantasy VII Remake. Sorry, it might not happen. It might not happen. <laughs> yeah, you don't know at this point. I mean, what are we doing? We don't know. Um, <laughs> But the the like on on the flip side of that, uh, if if that's like a, a pessimism or like a nihilism that Final Fantasy does so well, um, Dragon Quest does warmth and optimism mm-hmm. well, right? Like they're it's so like devoted to the like narrative of like the one hero who's gonna like save everything, and you know dark stuff happens in those games, but it's always like it's always gonna be okay, and it's always gonna be fun making it okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you definitely get that sense in this game too, because as as warm and charming and fun as it is, it goes to some dark spots. Um, uh, mm-hmm. for both in like the grand scheme and then in the vignettes that we get to experience. Yeah. Um, the 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 three that we named uh, Sakaguchi, 
Hori and Toriyama aren't the only uh, people who contributed to this game. I mean, they had there was a there was a larger development team for the time, but some people I do want to shout out are Masato Kanto, who is the writer of the story. Um, and then there's also a comp- a, the composers are very interesting, kind of a noteworthy thing about this game that a composer Yasunori Mitsuda, who was wrote most of the game soundtrack um, before uh, basically working himself uh, to into a hospital because it's not like he worked up to he got promoted to being a doctor. He got sick. He wore himself out. Um, hospital administrator is what he worked himself up to <laughs> yes and hey that's a respectable career yes, um so mitsuda was the primary composer but after he fell ill um the remaining tracks um were uh sort of i guess uh, probably finished up by final fantasy series composer nobuo uematsu um who we've sort of we've chronicled in a composer spotlight uh two years ago now uh, i want to say on super npcs so if you're a patron Anybody can listen to that. Go check it out. Search, uh, search his name, and you're gonna find it. Um, but yeah, this is a. It was just an absolute, um, like all star dream team of people. And you, yeah, and you can hear the the fingerprints of Nobuo Uematsu uh, mm-hmm. on, on the soundtrack for sure. Um, lots of comps to um, Final Fantasies four IV and six uh, throughout this throughout yes. the score. The piano alone. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. like, just like. The first piano you hear when you start the game is like that's yeah. It's the uh, for for me it's the uh, it's Magus's laughter in the 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 battle music against him that like it's like sad Kafka. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my oh, gosh, it's so, so cool. cool. Yeah, it's such a cool part. <laughs> Strangely though, no Rick Astley credited in the in, for the composition. So they watched Back to the Future and they watched popular MTV videos at the time. That's right. Yes, although. I don't know if Rick Astley was popular like 90, whatever. Yeah, that's a good question. I couldn't tell you. Um, but uh, certainly now, very... It's better not to look it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go um, there. Is, uh, did either of you have anything you wanted to add about the the, the, the dream team or, or the, the development of the game before we uh, continue to a few more factoids? Okay, great. Um, this game uh, was uh, a critical and commercial success upon release. And as we've already said, is frequently cited as not only one of the greatest JRPGs of all time, but the greatest video games of all time. Nintendo Power Magazine described aspects of the game as revolutionary, including its multiple endings, um, which this isn't the first game to do a a New Game Plus-like feature, but it is the game that coined the term uh, New Game Plus. Um, I can at least think of... The only one I know before this would be the original Legend of Zelda, um, where you could just start over with the second quest. Um, but this is the first one where I think you can get, uh, as far as I, I know, um, multiple endings on multiple playthroughs. But you don't, uh, you don't keep all of your stuff when right, you do the next quest in your... Zelda. Yeah. In this game? No, you do in this game. I'm saying in, oh, in the original when... Legend of Zelda, when you do second quest, you, you keep all your items. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, that's, that's the big element of the new game plus is that you get to start again, and guess what? Your character is just as strong as it was as they were when you finished, and it's like, oh, I get to just dominate for a while, you know? Yeah. Or you can you can try and fight Magus, uh, or not Magus, uh, uh, Lavos, um, like right from the beginning that you just go on the wrong uh, teleport pad uh, and get sucked to the end of time and have to fight the end boss before you do anything. 
Did yeah. you know about that, Connor? I did, yeah. Okay. But I, <laughs> I, I heard also... the, the first time I saw that, I was like, what's this? Why is this shining? And then I went over there and I was like, oh, 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 no. oh, oh, I'm can fighting you... all, oh. <laughs> can you do that on your initial playthrough? Or does no. it have to be on New Game Plus? Oh, okay. That would be game. funny if you could stumble over there on accident and be like, this game so mean way to the too player. hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, yeah, so this game, you know, it's not only a time travel epic, but uh, it that means that there are many different endings that they actually wrote into the game and you can experience uh more of them the more new game pluses that you actually do um so I, of course it was praised for that aspect um it was praised for the side quests uh, focusing on character development near the end of the game mm-hmm. it's a uh, battle system and the the elements that made that a little unique uh and it's detailed graphics um chrono trigger was the second best-selling game of 1995 in japan and shipped two point five uh, six five million copies worldwide by march 2003 um excluding the pc version the game had shipped over 3.5 million worldwide by february 2018 which is a little surprising to me because i would have thought that that like 2008 ds version would have sold millions of copies not like many millions but at least a Mm. few and if this is to be to, to be believed then it couldn't have sold more than one or one at all um did uh are are the numbers of the whichever final fantasy collection on the original playstation that has chrono trigger on it are those numbers included in that i cannot tell you from here i am doing a quick uh it's uh, good because i can't even remember what the name of that collection is <laughs> i want to say it's it's is it it's is either it anthology because anthology? it's like four final fantasy four and chrono trigger are included i want to say on the same disc and then five and six on the other on the other one that sounds right yes um i'm pretty sure um if i find the the sales figures oh they're right here so the super nintendo version uh so and the you know super famicom sold 2.31 million uh worldwide uh whatever website i'm on right now is just it's everything's loading at different speeds so it's jumping around uh oh, the, sorry no it's okay oh here we are the ps1 version of chrono trigger sold 330,000 copies the final okay we've got an uh an amendment here the final fantasy chronicles, chronicles. um was 375,000 roughly the ds copy sold 790,000 um what? and the android really 100,000 and as of 2018 it sold 20,000 copies on steam i would assume that's grown since then at least to some degree um what are we doing you know what are we doing? Um, this, be, this game should be in every household. Yeah. Um, in some or way, in shape my or household. Form. Yeah, I've got a. I got two copies over here. Um, so I'm doing my part. Um, I have the DS. That's it. If you're in line to buy Chrono Trigger, stay in line. Stay in line. Um, here's, the, here's the thing, though. If you yes. if you are in line to buy Chrono Trigger as part of the Final Fantasy Chronicles, get out of line. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> all of those, the, both of those collections uh, are are awful in that they need to load at Ooh. every fight. Um, so no. every time, <laughs> yeah, it's awful. Um, it 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 slows the progress down to like an absolute crawl. It makes uh, all four of those games virtually unplayable. They have the fun cutscenes, though, right? They did add the fun cutscenes, but th- those are in the, the DS version. Yes, right? yeah, they're in the DS, but the Final Fantasy ones too, right? The, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, the um, the if DS you want to wait version. For it. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah I, I guess. Yeah. If I want to go to YouTube, enough. look at those videos, and then play the game. Logging to Twitter like yeah, a few weeks while the thing's loading. <laughs> my playtime of this game was long enough. Um, so, because uh, I really took my time with it, so I didn't need any longer load times. Um, it's the best way to do it, Connor. It's you know, it's like reading Lord of the Rings. Take your time with it. Just you marinate over every word. That's I right. guess read all the songs. Don't skip the songs, Connor. Please don't. I did. Uh, I'll be honest. I did skip the songs when I was like twelve because I wanted to be cool and like read the book as fast as I could. But now, as a thirty-two year old, I'm like, I'm re- I'm savoring every bit of this. All right. these Tom words Bombadillo. I don't understand. Yeah, Tom Bombadil rules, man. Tom you know, Bombadillo. Love Tom um, Bombadil. Are you Eddie? Are you watching Rings of Power right now? I'm not. I I I, I need to. I just I'm behind with life. Yeah. I'm behind on every TV show. Behind ever. on life. <laughs> I'm so busy. I'm behind on every TV. Uh, I, have, I, I will catch up, though. Okay, great. I have a Tom Bombadil-related theory Ooh. to uh, Rings of Power. So oh, when, wow. when you watch it, hit me up. I want to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, we'll talk about this. I, I love that. That's great. I, I am not surprised in the slightest, and I'm so happy to hear this. Uh, <laughs> from the yeah, the, we, we talked just briefly about the Nintendo DS copy that is sort of seen as the definitive version of this game that was released in 2008. Um, including the the anime cutscenes that we talked about, uh, and I believe there was a, a new translation that had already come out for the game that was different from the original version. Um, but yeah, this is uh, this game is considered one of the greatest of all time. It is still it was not included on the Super Nintendo Classic, which is, in my opinion, the biggest omission on the console. Um, and then uh, it's still you know we're, there's a lot of questions about. Uh, Square Enix and Nintendo's relationships somewhat because this game is not on the Super Nintendo uh, Switch Online app, but but there's no Square Enix games on uh, the Nintendo Switch Online, so. including Super Mario RPG, and that should be the tell. I feel like for us, yeah. now, figure it is, out, people. Let yeah. the people play this. Look, it, it, if they can figure it out, and we can play chrono trigger and we can play secret of mana and secret mm. of evermore and final mm. fantasies four and six and that the other one that was really crappy on the the super nes evermore no no no, no. Ev- well, oh um evermore mystic quest mystic quest, oh mystic quest hey i love mystic quest but i was also like five yeah well it's <laughs> perfect for a five-year-old <laughs> it is the definition of baby's first rpg that's right love that game uh, and and the original Final Fantasy, which is on the um, NES Classic Edition, mm-hmm. but is not on the Super NES Switch Online. So, like, I think uh, Nintendo must have gone to to Square Enix and been like, "Do you guys want to be a part of this?" And they were like, "No, we're just missing an essential, essential, essential piece of the the puzzle here." Yeah, it's a load bearing pillar for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They even have the pixel remasters of Final Fantasies one through six, but they you know have those aren't available on switch don't still. get me started <laughs> i know or consoles and, at all so yeah it's so, so ridiculous it's the perfect thing to have on your switch is all <laughs> six of those games yeah this if this ever did get released because now we have cross on the switch like this it that was that was i would have never guessed that that would have come out before trigger but here we are so it yeah, is perplexing <laughs> It really is so if you want to play this game and you don't have access to it in a reasonably priced way emulate this thing um which we'll get into our personal history that's a perfect segue to get into our personal histories with the game um patrick i'd love to hear from you first what is your personal history like with chrono trigger 
So my personal history with Chrono Trigger is that a friend of mine introduced me to it, um, and this was after I had played um, Final Fantasies, uh, what I knew as Final Fantasies 2 and 3 at that point, uh, but were 4 and 6, obviously. Um, and uh, I, so the, the, the lesson I learned regarding uh, Square Enix RPGs was just to always trust it, um, mm. because uh, I, I played Final Fantasy 2 for first, um, and loved it, loved it, loved it. Thought it was like the best thing I'd uh, ever experienced. And I was like, uh, you know, one Christmas I was like, I need, I need Final Fantasy two. Someone needs, I just it needs, it needs to happen. I need to play it, or I need to own it. I had already played. You were it. right. I just want to affirm, young Patrick here. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, uh, and my grandmother uh, went out and bought me Final Fantasy three, <laughs> and I, I. I didn't know anything about it. I was young still, you know, like 10 or whatever when these games came out. Um, and uh, so I was like, okay, I guess I'll, pl it's got like this weird uh, white pig man on the front of it. And like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's going on here. Um, and, you know, I put the game in and it quickly becomes my new favorite game. Yes. Ever, right. Um, and, you know, I came into that with like such a preloaded disappointment because it wasn't the Final Fantasy game that I wanted. Um, <laughs> And then it ended up being like, you know, everything I could have hoped for. So that was when uh, someone introduced uh, Chrono Trigger to me. I was like, yes, let's do it. I, I, I bought in completely, um, but didn't uh, it. Yeah, it's I, I didn't own a copy um, early on. It wasn't until I was in high school. So maybe like uh, two or three years later um, that I got a used copy from like an EB Games or something. Uh, and that is the the copy that has been uh, traveling with me the rest of my life. Um, the the cartridge that I played on my Super NT, um, mm. uh, my analog NT um, uh, on on uh, on on my TV for 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 this show. Um, yeah, I've just been carrying that one cartridge along the whole time. I so, love it. No love DS it. experience. No DS experience. Oh, if you ever get the chance, I you should, or if you just want to borrow it and then you can hold on to that forever. Like I've been holding on to Zero Mission for eight months, nine yeah, months right. now. <laughs> um, uh, that's that's great. Is this a game, Patrick, that you, um, outside of that first playthrough, have revisited over the years? Yeah, it's it's one that I revisit every every couple years, maybe like every four or five years. I I, I cool. give it a playthrough. Um, I did not give it a, an honest playthrough for this conversation. I played maybe ten ish hours. Um, That's respectful. Uh, for, which I, I thank you. I feel anytime if you even thought about the game before this, I'm considering <laughs> the uh, the <laughs> the one of these episodes that I did with the least preparation uh, was for Metal Gear Solid Two. Yes. Um, I guess it wasn't one of these. It was uh, the the Games Club. Yeah. Um, but uh, I didn't play a, a second of Metal Gear Solid 2, hadn't played it in like 16 years. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, it, that, that game is never far from the top of my mind. So I was just able to. You're not alone, Patrick. I, I did that with uh, Super Bases Loaded 3. So perfect. Yes. And that was for the best, as we learned. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, um, uh, Eddie, tell, I know, you know a decent amount about your history sure. with this game, but why don't you walk the listener through? Yeah, I, I feel like explaining my history with this game, I need to give some background. So my mother was a computer lab teacher. So I'd finish school as a, as a kid in elementary school, and I'd go into the lab, and I'd goof off on the computers. That's what I would do until my mom was ready to go. So I used to make, this is funny, I used to make PowerPoint 
videos with animated gifs of dragon yes. ball z characters Do i you remember, remember this when we, yes when we discovered these it was like our whole world was changed yeah so these sprites, we didn't know yet yeah so these sprites were, were characters that we had no idea they were from a super nintendo game that was released in japan that we didn't have mm-hmm. over here like a fighting game so there's like goku doing kamehameha's and the super saiyan and stuff so you know we i would download the gifs i would put them in my powerpoint presentation and i'd make videos basically that way um, so anyway, I bring all this up because I'd end up on a lot of GeoCities websites or Angel Fire websites that had like Dragon Ball Z characters. And sometimes you see a Chrono Trigger character. And I'd always think like, who the hell is this guy? Is he in <laughs> Dragon Ball Z? He has a sword. He, he looks like Goku. He's awesome. And, but then you'd see like, you'd see Gotenks and you'd see Super Saiyan 3 Goku and you, and you see Broly and stuff. And you'd be like, okay. Clearly, there's more stuff that we haven't seen yet as Americans that is right. coming. So I always assumed Corona was just a Dragon Ball Z guy oh that eventually gosh. I'd see. I had no idea. I had no idea about this game. I just, and it's funny because I was a Nintendo Power subscriber. I read every issue like religiously. I would read mm-hmm. it in the car on the way to school. I'd read it at home. Yet somehow I didn't know about Chrono Trigger. I, I don't know how I missed it. Yeah, did they? Because I was also an avid uh, Nintendo Power reader. And right. I'm, like, and I, I can picture like, the uh the final fantasy uh two cover I yeah with the, the chocobo and the sword yeah yeah <laughs> and I, I i can picture the original uh nintendo power final fantasy strategy guide um and so like they went hard on final fantasy did they not go hard on crunch they must not have i think because 64 was coming out all their marketing was probably on the nintendo 64 at that what point or the ultra yeah. 64 so, so <laughs> i missed it you know I, I i didn't know anything about this game until so you know I, I just knew about the characters without knowing who they were so it wasn't until and connor and i we, we both discovered you know i discovered emulators through my oldest brother who had the nesticle if you remember the nesticle oh yeah uh and you know, eventually Connor and I ended up with the Z SNES and we had like, a, we downloaded a ton of games uh-huh. and we'd screw around, eventually found Chrono Trigger. And I remember playing through it. I was just thinking, this is incredible. This is everything I've wanted. And the reason I could say this is because, you know, I'm, I'm the youngest brother of three and growing up with video games, it was mostly watching my brothers play. And I love that. I was, I was totally okay sitting there on the floor watching them play because I love stories. I love stories. So Final Fantasy II, I'd like watching my older brother play because it was really hard. And when I turned six, I got Super Mario RPG. And this was my game. Like, this was mine. Yeah. Like, this is my game I got for my birthday. This is mine. And then I just fell in love with that video game. I, everything about it. I had the strategy guide. I wrote stories based off the characters. Like, it was simple and fun. So Chrono Trigger was very similar to Mario RPG in a lot of ways. And as like a I think it was about 14. Connor, does that sound about right? We were about 14, 8th grade. I was thinking about it today. I think it was junior high age, yeah. That's kind of when we got into Chrono Trigger, and I just I became obsessed and played through the emulator version and was blown away and felt, man, I really wish I would have had this, <laughs> you know? So uh, ever since then, I've been hooked. This is one of my favorite games of all time, easily in my top 10. And there, that's my history with Chrono Trigger. I, I did buy the DS version when I got to college. That's when it came out. So I bought it for, like, first week, I think, and now I have my own forever. That's not an emulated version. I love uh, that. We, I think we each had, um, we, you would let me borrow your copy of Chrono Trigger on the DS a few, maybe five or six years ago or something. Yeah, yeah. And then when you let me borrow it, I finally found my version. So I finally returned it to you yeah. some <laughs> other holiday break. Right. Um, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Patrick, were you going to say something? 
Uh, I, I was just gonna. I, I I gotta know, Eddie. Who's who's your party in uh, Super Mario RPG? As a kid, it was Bowser and Peach or Toadstool. But now, when I play through it, I do Gino and Bowser. Uh, I, 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 I I'm also a, a a Bowser Peach guy. Uh, why why do you go? Why do you sub out Gino now? Gino's a lot of fun. Uh, when you time the Gino whirl uh, against regular enemies, it's a really satisfying feeling. And I collect enough mushrooms and mid mushrooms and stuff to where I don't feel like I need a healer. That's a um, you know, Bowser Bowser's a tank, so I usually end up using him as my healer with items, mm. and I just have Gino and Mario hit hard. I, I've I've slowly became more of an offensive threat with Mario RPG, um, <laughs> just just picking the characters that deal the most damage, and that's that's kind of the team for that. Man, it's I I I, I will agree with you that that is a, a an awesome strategy. Um, but man, the mallow slander here between the two of us, uh, <laughs> not even mentioning <laughs> the poor uh, Cloud Prince. I mean, it, Mallow the happen. tadpole. Yeah, that's right. Wait, he's not a tadpole. Oh, oh shit. Uh, man. spoilers, I guess. I've him. I've Dude. only played through like two bosses in that game, and I know <laughs> um, it looks like a tadpole. <laughs> oh man. Um, uh, mark my words. Someday we're gonna do that game on this show because it's another one, kind of like Chrono, that I have been dabbling with or and in for years, but have never like fully seen through. Except I had had much more experience with this game and. And I'll sort of uh, get into that now. I mean, Eddie got us to the genesis of how we discovered it. So thanks to, you know, uh, us learning about emulators through his oldest brother and us playing the game. I, I think I was, I would venture to guess as well, Eddie, that the reason we even like picked that from that huge library, endless library seemingly of SNES emu like ROMs that we had was probably because of the alphabetical order because C is not that far from A. So yeah. we could at least... <laughs> We probably weren't scanning through the the like Qs or the Rs as much. But um, did you have to get past Breath of Fire first? Pro and you know we may have even tried that too. Um, I can't. I really can't say for sure now. But I remember this game, and I never. I didn't play too far through it on the emulated version. But for whatever reason, I also fell in love with it and was so charmed by the way that the game wor worked and the battle system because I had, at this point, some experience with JRPGs. I was a Pokemon kid growing up. Um, I had gotten to play Final Fantasy II at Eddie's a bunch, maybe even Super Mario RPG. So I at least... I'll let you was, play that. You know, maybe I snuck <laughs> it when you would be in the shower or something. Just uh, fair play the opening 10 minutes over and over. <laughs> um uh just watch watch the the sword show up uh I'm very familiar with bowser's keep yeah so familiar um and mario's little house uh but yes this Bouncing is a game on that bed boing, boing, boing. Oh, <laughs> it's so fun <laughs> it's so charming um but i so i was familiar with the genre and the style of game and you know being a kid that we had already had a couple of years before uh, a few years before had really gotten into Dragon Ball Z and then Dragon Ball after that. So a lot of a lot of things really lined up for me. So it was a game that I had a lot of familiarity and fondness for, but there was still something to like playing emulated games on my computer with a keyboard that just what didn't feel it was fun. It was fun for exploring, but I didn't really sink or beat any games like that. Um, so because of this, uh, years later, when the DS version came out, I or I saw it was coming out because you know being a Nintendo Power kid, I wanted it so bad, and I remember getting it for Christmas 2008, uh, my senior year of high school, 
and taking it on a trip to uh, to visit my family in St. Louis. Um, never have finished the DS version. Uh, ended up uh, playing through. I know the exact part where I left off in this game, which is pretty dang deep. Basically, right before the game opens up at the very end, when you can do all the side quests, um, and it's one that I've I've started over and over. I think I played to that same point, like in 2018, and then finally this year, after making a purchase in, in 2019, when I got a Super Nintendo, uh, paid a hundred dollars for a Chrono Trigger cart and probably like it ten for the Setsy case, uh, which is basically what it was Should sold more. for in store yeah um yeah, go back and pay more Connor. okay i'll try i'll find that auction and more. yeah i will um it was when you know getting ready to play this game this year because i i just felt ready i took a trip to florida for a wedding in may i brought the ds copy with me in my original ds and i played through the first hour and a half of the game but i realized that i wanted to play the super nintendo version because i had spent so much money on it i was like and that's what i'm trying to do with these with games that i but buy not now. enough but not enough not enough clearly it's sort of a thing i'm doing now where if i have a copy that i've spent money on instead of playing buying a new version like on switch or whatever again this game's not available i'll just try to get some money's worth out of it which i did so i finally played through it all the way through um finished it about a month ago at this point it was a really slow playthrough from may of this year through through august yeah i was i was gonna say you you texted me about uh chrono trigger like every week for like four months yeah it felt like yeah. it didn't it <laughs> i i because i played through it pretty consistently i had two lulls one was at the very end of the game when it opens up i was like i know i'm gonna revit like finish this this year but i had some stuff going on and i knew what the episode wasn't coming up yet so but here we are